What's up, everyone? This is episode number 77 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle. And as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast, and my Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. Okay, so I hope you guys are continuing to enjoy this NBA offseason. I know I am, even though my Pacers lost game one. I'm recording this early Wednesday evening, and I stayed up late to finish the Portland-LA game last night. Um, Gotta watch my guy Damian Lillard. Totally worth it. And I know I've said this before, but we are very fortunate to be able to watch these games. Kudos to the NBA, and kudos to the players for making this happen. Um, You know, there was a lot of exciting stuff happening in our hobby while the game was on break. But when there's exciting things happening in the hobby and then exciting things happening on the court at the same time, it just takes things to a completely different level. Um, So I'm very appreciative for that. All right. Well, um, as far as today's episode, I had originally planned to talk about a really successful, intriguing, um, exciting card show experience that I had a couple of weeks ago, including my acquisition of a shiny modern card that's not supposed to exist. But then Beckett had to go and do um, Beckett stuff this week. So that episode's going to have to wait. So consider that card show blurb you just heard as a bit of a teaser for the near future. So instead, I'm going to lead off with a few um, interesting Ron Artest pieces I picked up in the last week. And then I'll dive into some of the recent shenanigans that I've seen with Beckett Black Label cards, um, including a super off-centered Zion prism base that you probably have already seen on social media. Uh, but first, the Ron Artest pickups. So, uh, you guys, you've been following along. This has been a very good year for my Artest collection. I've talked about some of the pieces that I picked up already, but I picked up two unique pieces this week that I thought were worth sharing. So, the first of these two is something that I've never purchased before. It was a signed check. Uh, well, I should say it's an endorsed check. Now, uh, Ron Artest's autograph isn't super rare, so if I'm picking up any autographs these days, especially on checks, they have to have some significance, and this piece is no exception. So this particular check, it, it was written from uh, Fleer Skybox International to Ron Artest, care of Troy Jones at Impact Sports, which I assume was his um, agent at the time, and this is from March of 2000, which would have been the end of his rookie season. And the amount that they're paying Ron on this check is $6,000. Now, I can't verify this for certain, but I believe it's for signing rookie cards. And I tried to find out the print runs of everything he signed because I wanted to know how much money he was making per autograph. Um, Unfortunately, only one of the autographs, uh, only one of the sets was serial numbered. So I really am not sure how many he signed or how much money he made. I don't think he made a lot off of it, though. Um, Well, you know, who knows? Maybe there were multiple checks, but I I figured that was the only one. But um, this check is endorsed by Ron on the back, and it's slabbed and authenticated by PSA. It's a big check, and the slab is pretty big, but um, I really like it, and I think that's a nice way to be able to store it. And somebody asked me, you know, I showed it off this week to a couple people. Someone asked me how I thought this got circulated 
My guess is that is from the FLIR bankruptcy auction. For those of you that don't know, when FLIR went bankrupt, um, they auctioned off all of their assets, and I mean everything. Uh, blank cards, sign stickers, cut-up jerseys, um, partially cut-up warm-ups, office equipment, everything. And if you look at the PDF that itemizes some of these lots, there's a lot called Lot Cashed Checks Some Signed. And it doesn't mention Ron specifically, but there are some basketball guys listed like Stephon Marbury, even though they called him Mayberry, uh, Sean Kemp, and Tracy McGrady. So I figure that's where this check came from as well. Um, but with that being said, it checks off multiple boxes for me. It is a unique Ron Artest piece. Um, it's part of hobby history. It's something you don't see every day. So this is already a favorite in my collection. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, it's not the only piece I picked up this week. The second one is a letter that the Pacers sent to season ticket holders in November of 2004. And if you know your Pacers history or, or your NBA history, that date should stick out. I've talked about it on here a number of times before, but that's when we had the infamous, infamous uh, Malice in the Palace or the Brawl in Detroit, however you want to refer to it. It wasn't a, a happy memory necessarily, but I like to document all Pacers history, good or bad. So um, I mentioned that these were sent to season ticket holders at the time. There's probably quite a few of these out there, but you know who knows how many people kept them. You know, I'm sure there were some people that were disgusted. Um, I've never seen one, and it didn't cost much, so I decided to grab it. Um, so what did it say? Um, well, you know, what does an organization say after something like this? Sorry, our players went into the stands and punched fans. Uh, more or less, yes. Um, but it's not too long of a letter, so I'm just going to read it here so you can see for yourself. So it says, Dear Nova Agency, which I imagine that's the, the account that held those season tickets. It said, I am writing this letter to address the re recent circumstances around our team and to thank you for your continued support of the Indiana Pacers. The situation that took place in Detroit last week was unfortunate. I would like to add that it was a low point in our franchise as well. We apologize for being associated with it. As for our team, we feel that we have a lot of good basketball players and some will be coming off the injured list soon. We will also explore whatever avenues we have to improve the team. Generally, we intend to compete on a high level. Also, I can assure you that our organization has done and will continue to do everything possible to keep Conseco Fieldhouse a safe and comfortable place for you to enjoy the games. The past several days have been a difficult time for the Pacers and our fans. I appreciate your support. I will continue to do everything possible to maintain the team's commitment to our fans and this community. Sincerely, Donnie Walsh. Um, and it, it is not um, signed on the letter. It's, it's like an auto pin. But he was the Pacers um, CEO and, and president at the time. So, you know, that's something very different. Uh, at least I haven't seen a lot of stuff like that out there. Maybe you guys have something unique like that. If you do, post it up on your social media. Tag me. I'd love to see it. Speaking of things I'd like to see, um, I want to see what NBA merch you're picking up from Fanatics. As I mentioned last week, the Wax Museum podcast is a proud member of the Fanatics affiliate program. Uh, I know one listener told me that he picked up some Clippers shirts and some Clippers face mask, and that's awesome. Thank you very much for supporting the show in that way. I used my affiliate link to pick up some Pacers mask for the new school year. So if, if you'd like to pick up some cool team gear and help the show in the process, 
you can go to www.tinyurl.com slash WMPod and click the Fanatics logo at the top. Just shop as planned, and the show gets a small commission as well. It's a win-win. Once again, that's www.tinyurl.com slash WMPod. All right, so let's talk about black labels. They've been a hot topic this week on some of the message boards and hobby social media. And before I really dig in, I want to give a general overview of what a black label actually is and what it represents. So back in November of 2014, Beckett published an article titled, Introducing BGS Black, with the very first sentence simply saying, BGS Black is here. And they went on to describe this new BGS Black label as, quote, the ultimate label for the ultimate card for the ultimate collector, end quote. I should probably come back to that tagline later. Now, prior to that, the ultimate goal for people submitting with BGS was to get a pristine 10. And you could get a pristine 10 grade even if one of the subgrades came back as a 9.5. Now, don't think that people weren't trying to get all 10s. And, and people noticed, you know, if the four subgrades were all 10, there just wasn't um, a specific black label for that. Um, and so part of this BGS black initiative was to create another level of rarity where all of these subgrades came back as 10s as well. And they came back with a really nice, classy looking black label. So when this first came out, you had people sending their perfect 10s back because they wanted that new label because, you know, let's face it, it really does look nice. And you also had people sending cards with one 9.5 subgrade in in the hopes of bumping it up to the new black label. So it was something kind of fun at the time for people that grade. It was an initiative for them to send some stuff back in. Now, fast forward six years later, and you probably see people still asking for black label cards. If you've seen them on eBay, you know that they sell high. Um, There has been some controversy with black labels and a specific card industry employee in the last year or two. I think Sports Card Radio has referred to him as both uh, Meet Joe Black Label, which I enjoyed that one, and Eagle Eye Joe. But you can go to their website And you can read more there and form your own opinions about him. I'm not going to go into that today. Um, But in general, the Black Label program is a program that people have been favorable towards. And I have a collector friend that I enjoy talking to throughout the week from time to time. And he makes, uh, I like his perspective because I feel like he makes real solid, calculated decisions when it comes to the hobby and what he wants to collect, and he also does some investing. So I I feel like he's a good sounding board. And he shared with me recently that he was looking to pivot and pick up some black labels. So I said, all right, well, tell me your take on black labels. And he offered up the following, quote, They're not for everyone, unless you're talking LeBron or Curry or a guy who's already a legend. It's a significant risk to ante up for a black label. It's like trading in complex options. The downside risk is enormous. You're paying an astronomical amount for what is, at its core, usually a very common card. If the guy doesn't pan out to be a superstar, you lose badly. The idea with black labels is trying to get the very best copy of what's going to be an iconic card. End quote. 
Well, there are a lot of people right now that think the Zion Prism base could be a very iconic card in the long run. So, people paid attention when, last week, a Zion Prism black label was listed by PWCC. Now, the only thing was, it looked off. And I know grading is subjective, but there are certain elements, in this case, centering, that can be physically measured. And the centering on this card left or right was horrible. So naturally, you know, because it had this black label on it and it was listed as a 10 in every single way, and it looked like this, uh, it became a hot topic on message boards and social media. And a lot of collectors spoke up about it. Now, I knew that I would eventually... Um, and I would likely end up talking about it on this show. So I emailed Jeremy Murray, who is the vice president of grading at Beckett. Talked a little bit about him before. I've emailed with him a little bit before. And I'll read my message here in, in a moment. But I do want to preface this by saying that I didn't link the specific card on eBay in my first email. I didn't send a picture of it. Um, but I my title was Zion Black Label Prism. Because I thought I had seen, you know, BGS and Beckett had been tagged in post about this card a, a couple, seemed like a couple hundred times, maybe not that many times, but a lot over the weekend. So I figured he probably knew what was going on. But here's what I wrote. Good evening. I've had a number of people send me pictures of this Zion Black Label 10 that's currently on eBay. The centering seems pretty bad for a 10, but I was wondering if there was some reasonable explanation for it. I plan on addressing it on my show this week and wanted to see if you had any comments about it first. Thanks. And um, to Jeremy's credit, he responded. Um, but he said, Kyle, not sure which card you are referring to, but just like any other card in our case, the statement would be the same. And he gave me their, you know, whatever you want to call it, their statement on graded cards in general. So he copy and pasted this section of text for me, but it is relevant to what we're talking about today, so I'm going to read that off as well. He said, quote, If a card is graded and encapsulated by Beckett, we feel the card is authentic, unaltered, and deserves the grade it was assigned. Our job is to give our opinion of the card's appearance, and that's what we have done on this card and any other card we examine. Opinions are going to differ from person to person, but in our opinion, this card is graded correctly. Um, and then he said, not sure if that helps, but that would be our statement at this time. So um, that all took place late Saturday night, and um, th there was one statement in there that really stood out to me. I'll, I'll say it again. It's, if a card is graded and encapsulated by Beckett, we feel the card is authentic, unaltered, and deserves the grade it was assigned. That was Saturday, remember. Well, Sunday the card was taken down. And the listing said that there had been an error in the listing. Um, although probably more so an error on the label. But I reached out to Betsy at PWCC, getting to talk to all my favorite people this week, um, to see what was going on. And here was her reply. She said, Beckett reached out and shared that they wanted to review the card to make sure it was graded correctly. We always want to support the grading company's desires to uphold their standards and not sell assets that don't align to the standards of the grading company, end quote. Now, um, I know some people will see PWCC as the seller in this, 
and make nasty comments about them or talk about, you know, oh, I'll never buy from them anyway. Rule number one, never buy from PWCC. I've heard a lot of people say that. You know, I know there are a lot of legitimate reasons for people to be frustrated or fed up with them. This, however, should not be one of them. They are not at fault here. Um, there's probably a lot more that could be said about this Zion Black Label before I move on. But I want to talk about another questionable black label that emerged this week as well, because I think that um, together they will help form the, some of the context of what's taking place. Um, and I do want to make a note that I'm not going to talk about every single card that is misgraded. There is a subjective element to the whole process, and I understand that. And a lot of people really benefit from human grading. But these are these two examples are so egregious that I feel it undermines what they're trying to do in this industry. Okay, so case number or case study number two, it actually dates back to May 12th. When a blowout poster, I've talked about him on here before. He's got a long username. We call him 312 because that's what his username starts with. But he does a lot of um, sleuthing on blowout and he does a lot to help the card community. So he posted a thread titled, Buyer Beware, PWCC Selling Yet Another Trimmed Giannis Next Day BGS Black Label Auto. And if you're not familiar with Next Day autographs, you need to know that some of the qualities that make these cards so desirable also make them very condition sensitive and also makes it very likely that they'll never... um, they should never grade a black label tin. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not a legitimate one out there, but um, a lot of people feel that way, okay? Because they're very similar to the old Topps photo shoot autographs in that they're printed very very early on. They're signed during the rookie photo shoot. All of the autographs are on card. Um, they're not serial numbered on the card, but in, in past years, they've thought to be, um, they're, they're thought to have been very short printed. Now, I know I've seen a big stack of them in the last year or two, uh, but at one point they it seemed like they were very very limited. Well, on top of that, we're talking about this specific card here. You get a guy like Giannis who has a longer auto in his rookie season, so that's you know a lot of people like that. Same thing with Anthony Davis. His autograph was a lot uh, more complete in his rookie season, um, and then you get a black label on top of all that's just the icing on the cake. But once again, the production process. Uh, makes it very unlikely that these are going to grade well. There's a lot of people handling them in a short amount of time. But I'm getting ahead of myself here. So in this particular blowout thread, there was a series of before and after pictures. And the before picture was a raw copy of this Giannis Next Day Auto that had two very white corners on the bottom. Um, The after photo was the same autographed card, and yes, you can tell if autographs on serial number cards or on I'm sorry on non-serial number cards are the same or not because it's like a fingerprint. Every autograph is going to look a little different. There's going to be streaking in different sections. These were most definitely the the same autograph. So the after photo had the same autographed card in a BGS black label slab, and it was clearly trimmed on the bottom. Um, those white corners had magically disappeared. And the whole thing was pretty cut and dry. It really wasn't any debate. And someone in the thread joked that um, they were looking forward to the letter from Beckett saying that it is original. And for those of you that don't get that reference, 
We've seen that with the LeBron exquisite card. Um, I'm not, you know, saying for sure, you know, I know what happened, but there was a lot of speculation. Um, people didn't agree with, with what all happened and, and Beckett ended up making a letter for that card. And we've seen several cards that ended up with letters. So people were joking, oh, this one's going to get a letter as well. Um, but as far as the Giannis goes, the thread with the details was sent to PWCC and the, and the card was promptly taken off the marketplace. Um, so kudos to them for that the first time. That was back in May. Well, it reemerged this week on eBay once again with PWCC. And uh, I'm recording on Wednesday. I was piecing some of this together on Tuesday night. As of that time, this card was up to $11,000. Had not been taken down yet. And sometimes when PWCC has an altered patch that's been confirmed with before and after pictures, they'll note it right on the title so it's very clear. I know this isn't an altered patch, um, but it is an altered card, and they didn't do that here. Well, there was a reason, and you'll find that in the very first sentence of the auction description. They said, Be advised this item was previously listed for sale by PWCC when concerns arose around alteration and or the accuracy of the professional grade. This item was subsequently resubmitted to Beckett for their technical review. Upon review, the grade was confirmed accurate by Beckett and has been reholdered with a new serial number. The item is now being presented again on the marketplace. Please bid accordingly. And then a little bit later on in classic Brent language, they added, there are simply not enough of these to ever satisfy the demand. Sure. All right, so what do, we, what do I make of all this? And I want to address each card individually, and then I want to address black labels as a whole and, and kind of what's, you know, what these two cases signify. So let's start once again with the Zion. The card appears to be incredibly off-center. It was slabbed with a black label. Jeremy Murray issues a blanket statement about how they stand by their grades. The next day, though, they ask PWCC to take the card down so they could review it. This is a classic case that shows why you should buy the card and not the label. And the truth of the matter is there are a lot of people out there that are simply label collectors. They might not identify as that, but they are. And if you choose to be that person, that's your choice. I'm not criticizing that. Everyone collects in different ways. Um, Some of you will remember, though, that I warned people about selling platforms like StockX in the past because they use stock photos. And we all know that not all PSA 9s or whatever, you know, I had a LeBron Chrome PSA 8 that was sent to me. That was a different one than I bought. Looked way different. All right. In this case, not all BGS black labels are created equal. And even if you're more on the investing side of things, this matters because there are buyers out there and there are investors out there that actually care to see that the card and the label match up. And they will verify that before making a purchase. Now, I also wonder, uh, you know, if this is a Dion Waiters base card and the grade is just as inaccurate and Beckett happens to see it, are they really going to ask to have it pulled to quote-unquote uphold their standards? I highly doubt it. 
Now, I said this not too long ago, but I'll say it again. It seems like these grading companies aren't always motivated to make things right unless they look really foolish in the process. And then it's not even about making things right. It's just about saving face. As for the Giannis, this thing is pretty wild. There are obvious before and after pictures, and it's been trimmed. And it's one thing to be incompetent and own up to it. At the end of the day, you're still incompetent, but at least you made some effort to do something to make things right. It's an entirely different thing to be incompetent and then double down on it. And I know Brent from PWCC has said before that before and after pictures don't necessarily mean anything, and he doesn't see them as evidence. Although when you send these pictures to them, they pull auctions at least until they can put the onus on someone else, the greater fool in this case, which is Beckett. And this is now several times on several high-dollar cards where it appears as if Beckett also does not consider before and after pictures to be evidence of any kind. So let's go back to November of 2014, when this black label designation was created and coined, quote-unquote, the ultimate label for the ultimate card for the ultimate collector. What we're seeing right now looks more like ultimate incompetence because when instances like the ones I talked about today continue to pile up, it hurts the overall branding of the black label. It cheapens something that you've been building up for years and it means nothing. And look, I know I've seen people use these particular cases this week on social media as ammunition against Beckett. You know, obviously I'm um, using it against them right now. We know all three of these big companies have their issues, though. I've talked about PSA several times lately. In fact, there's some sort of a situation going on with them and Blowout right now, I believe. I just can't get the facts yet. I'm working on it. Um, and then there's SGC. I'm on, I think I'm on day 60 of a 10-day order with them, my second time ever grading. Uh, This was after they talked a big game and bragged about their speed. Um, So, you know, these other grading companies, we can use Beckett and we can use this situation against them, but these other grading companies, we know they have their faults as well. Been very open about those. But Beckett, the focus is on you today. If you're listening, there's going to come a time when people are more selective about what they grade or who they grade with, as they should be. The times are changing. PSA has essentially been embarrassed into making changes for their future. There there was an attempted overthrow of their board. What's it going to take for you to make some changes that actually make sense? We had the incident with the Curry RPA, and you tell us you're tracking serial numbers, and we just have to trust you on that because we haven't seen any evidence for or against that. Um, we can look at these examples I talked about today and say, well, you know, it's just two cards out of you know, hundreds of thousands that they grade, but how many black labels are there out there? And why aren't they being checked more rigorously? And then why are you doubling down on your own mistakes and continuing to support fraud in the process? Ultimately, these are questions that the company needs to be asking itself. And these are questions that I hope your customers will ask as well. All right, well, 
Um, I'm done with Beckett for the day. I'm sure there are there are more things that I could say, but that's uh, that sums it up without having to repeat myself. Uh, I would love to hear your guys' take on this. Those of you that are commenting on my Instagram post, just know that I see your messages. For some reason, I still can't post captions on my own comment on my own pictures. I still can't respond to comments for some reason. Uh, but don't let that stop you. Let me know what you think about this on my Instagram, which is at Wax Museum Podcast, or my Twitter, which is at Wax Museum PC. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store. Tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. Shop through my Fanatic link and I'll get a small cut. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast.